0: Judson Brewer is a psychiatrist, neuroscientist, and New York Times bestselling author. He's concerned primarily with mindfulness and addiction. He delivered a TED Talk in 2016 on using mindfulness to defeat addiction. His two examples in the talk are smoking and eating. He describes focusing on the feelings that they produce and realizing that they're mainly bad and interrogating that recognition into what he calls cortical response, using your uh, cortical mind, brain. He then shows pictures of the brain and then describes the addiction experience in terms of brain function as opposed to, uh, well, experience itself. Dr. Peel and I both value Dr. Brewer's contributions to the field and even believe that his approach is more or less practical and a solid one. Yet, Peel and I both have a fundamentally different starting point when thinking about and contending with the addiction issue. So today we're going to respond to Judd Brewer's popular TED Talk, which has over 11 million views now, and we're going to respond in a unique fashion. Um, I suppose either Dr. Peel or I could have led this episode, but if let's face it, Peel's work, his life's work, is this topic, addiction, mindfulness, the addiction experience, how people overcome it. So we wondered, if Dr. Peel were asked to deliver this TED Talk, about the same topic rather than Judd Brewer. What would he have said? What would have been the same? What would have been different? So rather than speculating, Stanton is going to deliver his own TED Talk just uh, from the comfort of his own home. And you are the audience. Let us know in the comment section what you think of Dr. Peel's version. And if you haven't seen Judd Brewer's original TED Talk, it's titled, A Simple Way to Break a Bad Habit. And the link to that TED Talk is in the show notes. Without further ado, Ladies and gentlemen of Vancouver, Canada, or wherever wherever the TED conferences are, welcome to our annual TED conference. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce a man who has been researching and writing about the experience of addiction for nearly 50 years, Dr. Stanton Peel.
1: Good morning, everybody. I wanna to talk today about what addiction is. And I wanna outline the model of addiction as occurring with regard to an experience. Let me start by saying, have you noticed lately that there's a lot of confusion, even despair around addiction? Despite decades, a half a century or more of thinking about addiction and researching addiction and coming up with cures and treatments for addiction we're at a worse point now and continuing to do worse than ever before. And yet we seem to be doubling down on our failures. And it all stems from how we think about addiction. The concept itself is extremely important. My colleague, Uh, Zach, has mentioned Justin Brewer's TED Talk on using mindfulness to defeat addiction. He uses two examples, which I'll get back to, smoking and eating, and he describes on focusing on the feelings they produce and realizing they're mainly bad, but he integrates those responses into focusing on the cortical response with plenty of pictures of the brain. I want to ask, how is that useful exactly? Does that really help us to be mindful, to think about the brain in response to these things? I don't think so. There's a model of addiction that is virtually universally accepted, in America at least. And the idea is that heroin clicks into the brain in a way that addicts it. And when you think about it, is that possible? It's really sort of a magical notion. There is no such thing as some kind of chemical lock and key that causes your brain and you to fixate on using a substance without being able to restart yourself. And here's how we know all that. Most people take painkillers and they drink without being addicted to them. So that tells us it's not the chemical itself that instantaneously addicts people and causes us not to be able to cease. But there's been a second development in American society where people more and more commonly talk about being addicted to, well, Uh, like Judson Brewer, they talk about being addicted to smoking, which isn't such a giant leap, and eating, and to sex, to videos, to gambling, to shopping. What's that all about? Do all of those things offer a key that unlocks this reputed addictive response in the brain? That's Not only unlikely, it's impossible. They're all different kinds of substances, different kinds of stimuli entirely. Another way to think about this is at what we might call the phenomenological level, the level of how people actually experience the world and respond to it. All of these activities that we've mentioned create a powerful repeatable, predictable experience that people can self-initiate and that offers people an absorption in that experience, a kind of an absolution from normal worries and guilt, a relief, and often along with that, a sense of value and a sense of peace. Those are very, very valuable feelings that people will do an awful lot to pursue. But all of those experiences, all of the responses that they generate are temporary. They're artificial in the sense that they're produced externally. You ingest something, you engage in something and you stimulate yourself in that manner but you're using an external agent to produce the experience. What finally makes these things addictive? While being engaged in the experience, you discover that you become more detached from your actual coping responses in life. The experience ends up detracting more than it adds. It gives you that sense of relief, some kinds of sex, some kinds of video involvement, some kind of gambling, some kind of shopping involvement, but it creates a longer-term reliance on that experience as a way of getting through life. It's self-perpetuating. Now, what's obvious to all of us is that most people don't become addicted to these things. Most people don't become addicted to sex so that, for example, they force themselves to have sex with other people. They ignore their families. They ignore making a living. Most people don't become addicted to video games that way, or to gambling, or to shopping. And yet, the diagnostic manual of the American Psychiatric Association lists only one thing as being addictive now. It doesn't mention any drug as being inherently addictive, because after all, we know that most people take painkillers without becoming addicted. Um, It mentions only gambling, and yet the same thing is true of gambling. Gambling is something, we all have bought bingo cards or a lottery ticket. Many of us have gone to gambling casinos and yet, Virtually none of us has become addicted to gambling in a way that causes us to destroy the rest of our lives. Certainly, most of us have gone shopping without becoming addicted. The question is, which people, under what circumstances, become engaged in these activities in such a way that they overwhelm them and cause them to hurt their lives and in some cases to destroy their lives. Why am I asking this question? Why is it critical for me to go up against Justin Brewer who's renowned and revered? Why do I want to contrast a different view with the prevailing view of addiction in society? Because we're doing so poorly at dealing with addiction against the science of what we know addiction to be in terms of how we can become addicted to a broad range of things. And most of us don't become addicted to even the things that we most readily acknowledge are addictive. When we realize the essential goal of mindfulness is to allow us to be in control of our responses to things. How do we make that happen? What awareness and way of thinking makes that most plausible? When we are aware that mindfulness is within our own control, that it's not something buried deep in the brain, which is, after all, kind of unknowable, then it becomes a tool that all of us can use. And then Let's jump to the societal level. What accounts for the fact that during the time that the brain model of addiction has been dominant, completely prevalent in America, addiction, drug deaths, alcohol deaths have gotten worse than ever before? Why is that happening? It's because society has removed responsibility and the possibility of changing things for the better in favor of the idea that addiction is an uncontrollable response that people individually, and we as a group of people cannot influence. By recognizing the mindfulness conception that addiction is a lived experience that we control offers us the only chance as individuals and as a society to finally gain control, reduce, ameliorate, improve our lives as individuals and as a society.